The following program is presented by the National Committee on United States-China Relations, www.ncuscr.org. My name is Margot Landman. I am Senior Director for Education Programs at the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations. Joining me today on the NCUSCR China podcast is Bin Xu, author of The Politics of Compassion, The Sichuan Earthquake and Civic Engagement in China. Dr. Xu is an assistant professor of sociology at Emory University in Atlanta. Xu Bin, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you very much for having me. Please set the scene for us. What was happening nationally and internationally in China when the massive earthquake hit Sichuan in May 2008? Back in 2008, before the earthquake, a um, lot of things happened. For example, in the er- uh, in late January and early February, there was a huge uh, snowstorm that hit the southern part of China, which actually caused a lot of problems. Uh, tens of thousands of people were stranded in Guangzhou railway station, and Wen Jiabao flew there and to persuade people to come down and so on and so forth. And the government response was criticized widely as uh, ineffective and so on and so forth. And in March, there was a Tibetan uprising, uh, which actually caused a lot of problems internationally for the Chinese government. And the government was criticized for its crackdown. And basically, it's uh, the, the government is losing its moral competition internationally for its uh, for its crackdown, and also in April there was a uh, torch relay going on in various cities around the world. And here in the United States, in San Francisco, there was a clash between the pro-Tibetan activists and also. Uh, overseas Chinese students. Torch relay for the Olympics. Tor- torch relay for the Olympics. Thanks for reminding me. That uh, um, I took it for granted. So, so particularly the Sichuan earthquake happened at a time when the uh, Chinese government was under very strong uh, pressure from outside, from inside. From inside, you have the uh, Chinese people who wanted to show the world we are nice people. We want to uh, show our nice face, um, human face to the outside people. We are not like nationalistic, as you thought. Uh, but internationally, the Chinese government is losing the moral competition, trying to repair its moral image. So that was the time. And also, the uh, Beijing Olympics uh, is around the corner in August, three months after the earthquake. So that was a very stressful time not only for the government, but also for, for, for the Chinese nation as well. Yeah. So then there's this huge earthquake hmm. with disaster on a mammoth scale. Tens of thousands of people died. Millions of people <coughs> lost their homes. It's not a surprise to someone from the outside that there would be a response, mm-hmm. that Chinese people would be upset by such a huge disaster. That's true. What was different about the response of ordinary people? We'll mm-hmm. talk about the government response yes. separately to this disaster as opposed to others. It's not the first earthquake. You just mm-hmm. mentioned the snowstorm. Right. There are floods. China has lots of natural disasters. Mm-hmm. What was different about the response this time? That's one of the questions I try to answer in my book. What was the uh, particularly distinctive feature of this disaster response? But if we look at the history of massive disasters in the people uh, in the history of People's Republic of China, 
we found that a very interesting fact that is before um, the Sichuan earthquake, there was no large scale civic engagement uh, at that grassroots level organized by the associations and by themselves instead of by the state. And certainly after the Tangshan earthquake in 1976, and you have people volunteering, but they were organized by down, their down ways and by the party organizations. So it's not really grassroots civic engagement. After 1998, the uh, big flood in the Yangtze River area, there was no civic engagement at all. And even in the same year, 2008, um, after the snowstorm, there are some small scale uh, volunteering uh, in the southern part, but it's the scale of the civic engagement cannot be compared to the post Sichuan earthquake volunteering. And also, the civic engagement after the Sichuan earthquake was very diverse. It included a lot of things, including the volunteering um, to help the rescue and the relief effort, and also including the advocacy for a national morning ritual for the victims, and also included the um, activism to collect students' names uh, for Ai Weiwei and Tanzhu Ren as their um, major activists and other people as well. So it, it's very diverse and it's in a huge scale. Millions of people flooded into Sichuan, so it, it was a very extraordinary thing after the Sichuan earthquake. You just mentioned the pressure for a public mourning of mm -hmm. some sort. That's right. Why does this matter? It matters because it, it matters symbolically and politically. Symbolically, the National Morning was the first one um, that the Chinese state held for ordinary people, ordinary disaster victims. The previous state funerals were all for leaders, for high-ranking officials, and for uh, fallen soldiers, war commemorations. Um, but this one is the first one that the Chinese state held for the citizens who have no heroic deeds, simply just victims of a misfortune. So that actually shifted the sort of the uh, sacred objects of the mourning from the people with power or affiliated with the state to ordinary people. That's a very big symbolic shift and which actually uh, conveys the message that even ordinary people's lives should be respected by the uh, state, by the government. So that's a very uh, symbolic, and, and also it is a very um, big political message sent to the world that the state actually shows, uh, shows its respect for the ordinary citizens. And you think that the public mourning was stimulated by the efforts of the public intellectuals and what you call the liberal media? Yes. Um, it was actually advocated a uh, long time ago, long time before the Sichuan earthquake. It was in 1998, after the Yangtze River flood, which I just mentioned, that uh, someone wrote, a, wrote an article in uh, Bingdian, uh, the freezing point um, section of the Zhongguo Qinianbao, the China Youth Paper, to say that, uh, well, the state should hold a mourning for disaster victims, but didn't get a response from the state. Until 10 years later, uh, in, uh, after the Sichuan earthquake, and the voice was louder, 
and got a response from the uh, Chinese state for the major reason for this acceptance is actually the situation which I just mentioned that the, the Chinese state wanted to repair its moral image. And it was not a very costly thing to do. It was just a very simple move to say, like, we have three days of national mourning and I show respect for the ordinary citizens. And the response from the public and uh, the international opinions was very positive. It's actually beyond the state expect expectation that is overwhelmingly positive. So that was a smart move. Do you think it worried them to have so many Chinese people stop work and be unified in an act of mourning in this case, but perhaps it could be some other kind of act in another situation? Theoretically, it could be a worry for the state because we see a lot of cases where, uh, you know, uh, with activities with lots of participants, which started as a political activity, but later uh, went out of control, and the state had to respond to the you know the after political aftermath of the apolitical activities. But in that particular situation, I don't think the state were was deeply worried about its possible political aftermath because it's it's kind of a symbolic thing and also it's emotional and it the state itself has already reached its consensus with the public with the public sphere with the ordinary people that everybody's lives should be respected by the, all the people from all over the country which is a very emotional move uh, for the state so i didn't see any um you know negative aftermath for the for the for the chinese state in your book, you divide the response into several phases or periods. Mm -hmm. The emergency, which was about a month after the earthquake rescue relief. Mm -hmm. As we already discussed, the pressure for the public mourning of some kind. Then recovery and the government constructed memorials and mm -hmm. narratives of what happened. Could you talk about who was who in each of these four phases? Who were the volunteers? What motivated them? And who else was involved? That's a great question. So in the beginning, in the emergency period, um, I think everybody was involved. So, so you see, um, certainly you see like those traditional civil society actors like NGOs, civic associations, they were in the front and they actually mobilized people uh, to go to Sichuan. But also you see a lot of uh, uh, small groups and even individual volunteers. So among the interview, uh, the, in my interviewees, you find a really interesting groups like a Super Go fan club, uh, which is equivalent to American Idol. And also like cosmetics club, you know, for you know women to discuss cosmetics online, and also the mountain car club. yeah car owners club, <laughs> and also mountaineers uh, marathoners. Actually, mountaineers club makes a lot of sense back then because they have the skill to survive in the in the wild, um, particularly in that uh, in that dire situation. Um, and also, many people didn't go to Sichuan. They collect donations in their in the places they resided. So it's, it's pretty much everyone, and including those uh, people who are called by 
by the outside media as dissidents. They also collect their own money and also through their website to collect money and donate to Sichuan as well and volunteer in Sichuan. So in the, in the first stage, which is the emergency response, everybody was involved. And if you talk to anybody who is old enough to remember, uh, the first and two, first and second week after the earthquake, they will talk, give you a lot of stories about people donating, people going to Sichuan, and so on and so forth. In the second, um, in, in the recovery stage, many people left, and some associations and the volunteers tried to stay, but the room for the uh, civic associations to stay and to make a difference is actually shrinking very quickly because the state itself are uh, already formed an alliance with big corporations and the local governments liked uh, big donations and big investment instead of just you know small actions so the uh, room for the uh, small associations and small groups is shrinking very, very quickly and also the government is concerned with the social stability which is caused by the school collapse issue and the dissidents activities who want to know what happened to those schools were really some some people that the government didn't want to see in the quick zone so this is a who's who in the uh, in the uh, recovery period so we see that if we think of those uh, stages as drama episodes of the drama so we we find that the main characters actually kept changing in different um, different stages, different episodes of the drama. Mm -hmm. You describe the volunteers as apathetic. Mm -hmm. That's the word you used. Because many of them, when you spoke to them, did not want to engage in explicitly political discussions or activities. Mm -hmm. I was very troubled, and I'm still troubled, mm -hmm. by the use of that word, mm -hmm. which to me is very negative. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the volunteers were very altruistic. They mm -hmm. took their time, they took their resources, yes. mm -hmm. and they went to do whatever they could. Yes. And there's reason to be fearful of political That's participation right. in mm -hmm. China. Um, so why do you choose such a harsh word for them? The word is not invented by me. It is invented by political sociologists who are working on volunteering, civil society, and also the political boundary of volunteering. Uh, their names are um, uh, Elisov and Lichterman. So by apathy, I mean um, the action instead of their you know, um, subjective feeling. So the biggest irony is the coexistence of a compassion and an apathy at the same time, probably in the same person. That they are good people, and all of my interviewees will spend hours talking about how they donate their money and how they went to Sichuan right after the earthquake, which was dangerous thing to do. Um, in that situation, it, there's still danger there um, in, when, when they went to Sichuan. And also they donate a significant number, uh, amount of money to Sichuan earthquakes. So they're good people. But the thing is that 
when they want to address the causes of the people's suffering, after they already reduce people's suffering, there's a political boundary for them. And they cannot cross this huge war which limits their uh, volunteering. So by apathy, I'm not saying that, well, they're, they're not, they don't care about people suffering on the country, they do. But at the same time, when you keep hitting the, that war, cannot go beyond the war, and then you try to use all kinds of rhetorical uh, devices to normalize, to justify, to rationalize your uh, feelings. So it's kind of a moral, political, eth ethical dilemma for, for every volunteer that I want to reduce people's suffering, but at the same time, I cannot uh, change the situation, so I choose to uh, not to care and choose to say, well, this is basically what I can do, um, but what else can I do then? So basically it was the political uh, limitations of people's compassion instead of um, blaming those volunteers uh, for not caring about uh, people's suffering. And now it's been 10 years. Nobody is talking about Sutra anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, can we say this is an apathy? Certainly, it's apathy. But for every volunteer who has been to Sichuan, and that ethical and political dilemma is at the bottom of his or her heart, that I did something, I do good deeds, but it's very impossible or it's kind of dangerous for me to do more things for those people who are actually still suffering, for example, the parents of those child victims. So by apathy, I mean it's, it's lack of action, um, it's the uh, normalization or rationalization of one's um, lack of action instead of I'm saying that those people who are morally wrong or defected and that, that kind of sense. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. I have a lot more questions to ask, but we will leave it there. Thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me.